This real advertisement is from our first official sponsor, The Early Reset. The Nashville-based piano pop rock art band released their first EP in late October titled Full Potential. Their soaring vocals, harmony, and electronic integration create a transcendent and original sound. You can find the full potential EP on noisetrade.com slash early reset. Then click on the icon for the full potential EP. They are also kicking off their spring schedule with two dates in Nashville. February 21st, they'll be playing at BB King's Blues Club. And March 5th, they'll be at the Tennessee Beer Works. You can find out more information and show updates at facebook.com slash the early reset. Thanks, guys. It's time to hold you're listening to the noise canceling pod the podcast about streamlining life encouraging discourse and maximizing your mind hosted by frank voice and axel clark Hey everybody, welcome, Vikoman Maraba. Welcome to episode four, our travel episode. We're we're glad you're here. We thank you for our two comments last week. That was we can't even explain how excited we were for we those love, first two comments. Love the by comments. The way, by the way, I'm Frank Boyce. And this is Axel Clark. <laughs> we're getting really good. Really good at the intros and outros. We're uh we're getting the technology cooking. And uh, I hope you guys like that that intro song. That was from the early reset. Why don't you let us know if if that should be our our official song and entrance music? We we really dig on that and uh, really appreciate the early reset doing that for us. So, like I said, this week is on on travel, and I I think before we we kind of give you our philosophy and why why we think we're so qualified. You know, sometimes I feel like Axel might be overqualified for this episode. He's gonna make me feel feel very small at times and, and insignificant in my travel experience. But I, I, th- I think you'll find that, you know, the combination of the two of us is, uh, is pretty solid for, uh, for talking about travel and, and planning and, and definitely discussing fun past trips. Uh, so Axel, I'm going to turn it over to you and talk about your favorite overall trip that you've taken. All right. So my favorite overall trip is my dad's trip to visit me. And you were there at the time too in Turkey. And so, first of all, a little background on my dad's traveling. So, he he's a teacher, and a lot of, we grew up in Northeast Oregon, and so a lot of the students haven't traveled anywhere outside of that area of the state. And he took a group. He takes a group of students <clears throat> each year to the National FFA Convention, and so that was my first experience traveling. Was traveling to Kansas City, and he doesn't just take the students there to the to go to the convention and then go home. He likes to find different experiences for them that they wouldn't otherwise have. For example, he'll take them to the to the Kansas City Chiefs football game and some of the other. Now it's in Louisville, and he has them. He has an agreement with one of the ag teachers in the area, and he takes the students. Uh, to have them spend an overnight time with one of the families out there in Kentucky. So he really, it's experience is important to him. I think that has kind of uh, carried over into how I view travel. And so uh, I so I moved to Turkey and I had been there for about a year and a half of the two years that I ultimately was there. And uh, I talked my dad into traveling out to Turkey. And so 
he was flying into Istanbul and I was meeting him at the at the Istanbul airport and he had told me that kind of when he was going over Italy he was thinking to himself oh man I may have bitten off like more than I could chew this is kind of a little extreme because he had traveled a lot in the U.S. but he'd never been in outside of North America so this is kind of his first world travel experience and I was taking him into Turkey, which to most of like, if you don't know any better, you think, wow, this is kind of a scary, dangerous place. And also, like, I didn't really give him very good instructions on, I just said, hey, don't worry about it. Go through customs and I'll meet you. And so I think he, he was getting pretty nervous uh, in the air. And so when he saw me, he was really excited. He said, man, I'm glad to see you. I was getting nervous, but now I'm really excited. <clears throat> That's awesome. Yeah. So... The first, so we went out in Istanbul and we were kind of seeing some of the sites and we had this kind of a late night adventure that some people would probably view it as a disaster and it, and it was close, but it made for a great story. And at the end of it, we were back in our hotel and my dad looked over at me and he's like, hey, Axe, this was so much fun. We need to travel. We need to do more of this. And then at that point, we planned our future trip to Brazil. So he, he has a foreign exchange student. We ended up traveling to Brazil together. But the rest of the trip was awesome. We uh, I had been there for a year and a half. So a lot of the places I'd already been to, and I was able to take him to some of the cool areas. He always talks about how the fact that when he ever, whenever he sees a show on Turkey, he's been to almost all of the places I took him to. And pretty much only, it was only maybe a 10 or a 14 day trip. But uh that was probably my favorite time. Just it was cool to to experience those things with my dad. Uh, some of the things that we did, he was there for that Tarsus half marathon that we talked about uh, in, the, in the last episode. Which yeah, he, and he was also so the night before uh, we were at the Adana Rock Bar, which is this kind of Turkish rock band that we adopted that we'd always go see, and they the one guy was incredible, and he would play Rage Against the Machine, and then we'd all mosh pit, but after the show after their rock show like they were thought it was really cool that my dad was there and they they got to meet my dad so he got to see that i took him downtown and downtown adana to a legit turkish bath and so he's kind of modest and in a turkish bath you just strip down to this little towel and then it's like a bunch of guys in there like hanging out in the sauna and like that was a that was probably been enough but there's also an aspect where you like lay down on this stone table and this other man takes this like pumice thing and just like exfoliates your back and your butt and the, your face. <laughs> and like you look back and it's amazing how much dead skin is coming off you, but you're just laying there in a towel. And it's kind of a probably a little bit of an awkward experience. He told me we were sitting there. And he said, uh, Hey, Axe. I think I'm going pretty far on this one. I'm pretty sure my dad would not have done this one with me. <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> and then the last thing that I thought was cool was we were, and kind of shows how cool the people in Turkey are, but we were driving back from kind of a day road trip and we were having dinner at this restaurant. And my dad likes to show off pictures of his sons like doing different things. So my other two brothers, they're big hunters. And so he was showing this restaurant or this picture of them hunting these deer. And the guy's like, oh, I have these pictures of boar hunting. And so he took us up into his house and we, and they're like trading pictures of their sons, like my dad, deer, like my dad's and the other, and the Turkish guys. 
And then the guy goes, "Hey, if, if you're if you want, it's a long drive back. You can just stay here at our house." And <laughs> so awesome. like we 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 had to get back to to go to the airport, but uh but that was pretty cool. So I think that's my favorite trip just do, doing it with my dad and the fact that we just had all these cool experiences uh talking to the Turkish people and just seeing weird things. For sure. Yeah, that's awesome. I my I had similar experiences with um bringing my parents over there. Um, it was really interesting cause they, they hadn't traveled internationally before and it was so far, so far out of their comfort zone and, and awesome, awesome to see it and, and kind of at points, watch their face be like more understanding of, of what we've been, been doing in Turkey for, for a year. Uh, I, I took my parents, uh, through old Adana and I, I gave them the full driving circuit. Nice. Nice. And, but at that point, so I never realized that I drove like a Turk until I got back to the States and I'd be driving people and they'd be like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'd be like, break down lane, like right behind people. <laughs> right. But yeah, Damn. so I, I gave them the full Turkish Turkish driving experience and I, we did one lap around Oladana and I was like, you guys want to go and see anything else? And they're like, no, we're good. We're good. Oh man, I, when I came back to the States, I was, the only, there was one time when I pulled up to a red light and like usually in Turkey, you just, like roll through them and i had to to remind myself i was in the states but uh yeah definitely driving in turkey is is a different experience such a rush i miss it oh, i, I know, miss it I all love... the time it was so the, but, fun one of the best parts about turkey was just driving down to the what what was, what was the turkish walmart or turkish home depot oh yeah just, just driving down to there was an adventure yep just getting out to the m1 that was sweet but uh, so one bad experience was after we got our car shipped. Have I told you this story? Do you remember this at all? I don't think so. So we got our car and it was it was obviously late because every time you ship stuff overseas, it's two to three weeks or four months in, in our baggage. <laughs> but uh, we get the car and everything looks fine and we, we take it on base. We put in new gas. We drive out and and I've only I've driven off base maybe like three times so it wasn't it wasn't like my first time off base but I definitely wasn't really comfortable with how how people were right you know it's it's this mutual aggression where like if you're not the aggressive person you might just get run into you're by you're gonna cause you will cause yeah. an accident oh, yeah. and everyone you just know what's gonna happen so like when when a car passes a motor scooter on a two lane road and it's three wide. It's not a surprise. You're just like, oh, okay, I'll move over and there's room. So, yeah, or if it's getting too close, the person, the oncoming traffic will give you a quick blink of the lights. Oh, say, right. The you blink better, of the lights. You better is pull classic. in or uh, you might die. <laughs> yeah. 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 The light blink is like, hey, just FY, move it over. So while we were driving, all of a sudden the car starts dying. And it's not a manual. So I'm like, what is going on? And what I had to start doing is I'd, I'd put it in neutral at stoplight. I'd have to rev it. This is a Ford Focus hatchback. I'd have to rev it to like 2,500 RPMs or 3,000 RPMs and then slam it into drive. And then it would stall probably at like three out of every four tries. So like I'm in these round, I'm getting stuck in roundabouts. My car is stalling. Like so many people are honking. They're honking. And like They're just yelling and like tisking, like giving us a Turkish tisk yeah. as we're going by. I'm like sweating. Katie's, <laughs> Katie's kind of freaking out. It takes us 45 minutes to get like five miles back to base. I go to. Did you the, ever consider pulling over? I guess you did. At that point, how would you get? I, I didn't even. Know. I didn't someone? have a cell phone over there. Like. I 
I had no language skills because we'd only been there a little bit. And so like we finally get back on base. We take it to the maintenance shop, open the hood, come to find out the air intake hose just like fell off. Like nobody ever reattached it. So like nothing wrong with the car. Right. (laughs) Just like good training on like, this was the most stressful situation driving you will ever be in. So now, now go forth and, and enjoy Turkish driving. So it was, it was hilarious, but it was an awful 45. I'm not sure if I've ever sweated that much doing nothing but driving. Oh man, I have to tell this. I have to tell this one story about uh, getting pulled over over there. <laughs> so uh, it's late at night and there's no cars on the road. And there's a cement median down the middle of the road. So you can't, I'm trying to make a left-hand turn. And so you can't make a left-hand turn. But there's another intersection about 100 yards down the road to the left. And this is Turkey. So I figured, you know, I'll just go on the wrong side of the road and then just swap over once I get to the intersection. And so I turn left. I've got a couple of my friends in the car. And I'm going, it's in the. It's late at night. I'm going, I hit the intersection and there's a cop car and they leave their lights on. So the cop car is sitting there with the left and I'm in the wrong lane going in there. <laughs> and so I'm not sure if I had, if my side had the green light or not. But my reaction was to gun it. <laughs> and natural, then I almost, natural. I almost like kept going on the wrong side, but I was able to like kind of maneuver around and get into the correct lane. And then I was just going and usually they don't chase you. So I was kind of like, I was like this, but I wasn't really sure. And so, but then he started chasing me. And so I started getting nervous and there was a gas station. <laughs> and so I decided I would pull into the gas station and kind of, because I didn't want it to appear that I was just clearly run, running from the running. cops. Yeah. So I pull into the gas station and I act like I'm getting gas and they pull up and they're they're in like this Chrysler, no, I don't some sort of a like minivan. And he hops out and he looks at and he points at my truck and he goes, Chrysler? And I go, no, Tacoma, Toyota. And so he goes, oh, oh, okay. Oh, very nice. And so then he sits me, he sits me down and he goes, he draws out this map. And, and so he's drawing it out and he has the intersection drawn out. And so I know what he's trying to say. And so I want to admit that I know that I'm in the wrong. And so I say, yes, uh, wrong way, wrong way. And I kind of drew it out. And then he goes, no, 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 stop. They're like, huh? He goes, no, no, stop. So he wasn't even, he wasn't mad that I was in the wrong lane or that I ran from him. He was just mad that when I was in the wrong lane that I didn't bother to stop at the intersection. And and that is driving turkey in a nutshell. And then yeah, and, and then they helped us find a hotel. No <laughs> ticket. That's that's funny. I actually got two tickets while I was there. Never got a ticket in the United States, but but two tickets at <laughs> at speed traps. And they ended up. Uh, one of them I just I just drove away. I, I refused to pay it because I said I wasn't speeding. And I ended up getting a call from legal like a year later. And uh, that ticket was was a little expensive. That was that was like three hundred fifty bucks. That but, yeah, I got. But it was so things. close. I was like one month away from leaving, and I got the call, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. no, so, so close. Yeah, so I got my first order in the mail too, and legal calls me up, and like they had tried to wait. Well, the story was it over there that you 
that you, if you didn't get pulled over, like you could just run through it, they wouldn't chase you, and then it would never catch up with you. And so that was like the urban legend. So six months after I was there, I am coming up on a speed trap, and they're waving me over. And so at this point, I had like the Turkish confidence that I felt like I could just run <laughs> through it, even though I didn't know if it was actually true or not. And so I ran through it, and then they never like nothing happened. They just nothing happened. But then, like you said, four months later, legal calls us up, called me up, said, hello, can I, it looks like you have a ticket in the mail. Do you mind coming over? And so I went over there and <clears throat> and she opens up. She goes, oh, there's two here. I was like, oh, okay. And she goes, uh, oh, like over 25% greater than the speed limit. That's the most you can get. Okay. And she's, <laughs> <laughs> she sets it to the side and then she goes, huh, the second one here is for disobeying a traffic officer. Do you know what that could be about? And then I had to say, no, I'm not, I don't know. Maybe. Like, and she goes, oh, you were probably in a traffic circle and they waved you over and you didn't see it. She's like, do you want to fight it? I was like, no, no, I'll just pay it. But my <laughs> lesson learned there was that if you were within four months of leaving because it took that long to get the ticket to the base, then you could just run every speed trap. Do whatever you want. Yeah. Four months. For sure. So yeah, so that's Turkish driving in a nutshell. So if you if you're on a trip to Turkey, I, I highly recommend renting a car and, and going for a drive because it's it's an experience. That, or a scooter. That you, you I think really you could... <laughs> I can't recommend a scooter. I can't recommend a scooter. You and your family of six rent the scooter, pile on. <laughs> that is a good point. A, a scooter is a. a a multi-person transportation vehicle. I, I think the record that I saw, did you see six? I, I definitely saw five multiple times, five people on a scooter. <laughs> Dude, my favorite, and I think I have this, this is like burned in my mind, is like a family, but then like a little sheep or a little goat, like in the front where the baby should be. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go somewhere. I got to go somewhere. So, Coming back to our main topic is is travel in general. We don't need to digress into Turkish Turkish memories for too long. But one thing I, I do kind of want to talk with you, Axel, is it's something that my wife Katie asks for every episode. She says, "What what is special about your opinion that other podcasts aren't going to cover?" And so for me, I think it's it's not necessarily like you, where it's this experiential nature. Um, of how much you love travel. I am on the nerdy side of I love planning travel. I, I think I told you in an email, if if a travel agent could make enough money <laughs> and weren't being replaced by kayaks, sorry if there's any travel agents listening, um, I would do that for sure because it's so much fun to help people plan their experience and to a certain extent, I mean, a little vicariousness, I, I think, you know, you're, you're kind of escaping into what they're going to experience, but I have spent, oh my gosh, I've spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours planning different itineraries, looking up where the cheapest flights are for the year, for a month out, figuring out exactly, you know, when to book for this airline. So there's just, it's a, it's an incredibly nerdy amount of knowledge that I have, but I, I think that passion and that knowledge is what, what separates me from just someone talking about um, where where they've been. But why don't you go ahead? Because I, I think there's there's a few very specific elements to how you've traveled that, that really differentiates your experience. Well, okay. So first of all, everything you just described about 
planning and find the cheapest airline ticket and scheduling out your itinerary sounds terrible to me. <laughs> like that's the thing that I absolutely don't like about travel. So I, for me personally, I only want enough structure so that I could understand what the opportunity costs of chasing different adventures that that present themselves. So I'm a minimal uh, travel planner. And for me personally, my tips are like what I would recommend uh, will not guarantee a pleasant or stress-free trip. Like that's not really what I'm looking for. But uh, <laughs> in fact, I welcome chaos. But I'm like I'm confident that with the approach that I'm taking, people me or anyone else will emerge with a great story. And then I like I kind of think I think it's better to come home with stories rather than souvenirs, pamphlets and pictures of you of yourself in front of these uh historical monuments. Yeah, I mean because those are the things that we want to say like pictures and souvenirs will last, but but not in your memory. You know, they'll last sitting on your table collecting dust. Um I can't I don't I don't know if I can think of a souvenir that I have that that like I I treasure. Um I think it have to it has to have a story associated with it. Yeah, for sure. If you have I don't know if I have one but well, yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> so one of my favorite travel days ever um falls more into your category where then an opportunity just emerged. Um it was, it was actually after a trip that I had planned out very specifically, um, a bunch of, I think it was like 14, um, of our friends out in Boston rented a house, um, on Lake Champlain for a week. And so we got to, we got to the end of the week and, you know, we're all packing up. We got to be out of the house by noon. And we, we looked over at a couple of our friends cause everyone else was, was kind of leaving already and had it all packed up. And I was like, you guys want to go to Canada today? Cause we were only about three hours away. Nice. And so they're like, yeah, that sounds, that sounds awesome. So we get about halfway there and we're like, I wonder what's going on in Mo- Montreal tonight. So we'd look it up and international jazz festival is going on. Awesome. And so we're like, Oh, that's awesome. So, but it's impossible to find a hotel. So we spend like an hour at this public library, obviously being a nerd again, <laughs> finding a hotel. <laughs> so, so then we get to Montreal and, have an an awesome unplanned dinner we actually had probably the coolest server i've ever had at this restaurant we ended up having like a two-hour lunch just chatting with this guy about montreal and and what makes montreal special and you know his his response was just the people you know like the the people are so special here and so welcoming and it was a hundred percent true so then at night we get to the jazz festival it's it's awesome it's huge i would highly recommend going to montreal just for the jazz festival um, and then somebody else is like, Oh, are you guys going to the fireworks? And we're like, fireworks, what fireworks? They're like, Oh, it's the, the international fireworks competition is over the bay tonight. Oh, that's awesome. And we're like, like, okay, well, that's pretty, pretty interesting. So it, it's these, they select, I think like 10 teams and then they have displays around the world that they record and are, are kind of competing against each other. And that night it was the Czech Republic. So it was basically like, 45 minutes of the most epic fireworks to music that I've I've ever seen. I mean it was it was a grand finale for 45 minutes. It was pretty pretty amazing. That's awesome. It, it was just one of those days where like if I had tried to plan that out bordered with that other trip I would have been like, "Ah, oh, that's probably 
that's probably too much. Like we can probably just head home. Like just a just a fun trip with friends is sweet, but it was just a spur of the moment. Like let's just let's go do it, and then it, it worked out. It blew blew my yeah. expectations way out of the so, water. So I find I'm I I'm rarely disappointed when I take opportunities like that. It especially when you like you did talk to the people, understand what's going on, and the other thing is, I think kind of a secret is trying to find the festivals and kind of train planning your travel around festivals and not even the famous ones or the ones that everyone goes to but even better are the kind of like the local festivals that aren't famous because then you get to see like what the real people are doing so and most of the time you just have to luck upon those but anytime you can try to find one of those uh that's definitely worth it so nerdy side of the brain right here i always go to like the community calendar if i'm traveling someplace and see what the residents are going to look at. <laughs> you guys was like, "Oh my god, you're so boring." I like, yeah, I like it. No, I, I, I spend I a like lot it. of time doing oh. that. I like the concept. I yeah, I like the concept, but I, I can't do it. I can't do it ahead of time because I don't even know if I'm going to be in that city on that date. But I like the concept. Good, if you're looking for a good travel agent, just just let me know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it would, I know we would have a the perfect cheap. combination. You plan it and then I execute, and it'd be interesting. <laughs> you get the experience. I, yeah. I get all the planning. It'll be mutually enjoyable. It would be like awesome. It. it would be awesome to see how close to the plan I stick. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I think one one thing that I, I want to note is I'm I'm not somebody who has like a rigid schedule when I get there. You know, I, I like to have, you know, one to two things specific to an itinerary each day that that kind of route you to a certain location so like you you go to a museum but then you know i would only have one thing i really hate like traveling someplace and being like we have to go here and we have to go here and we have to go here like i, I just like starting from someplace and and rambling from there but i i think especially when you're traveling in larger groups you you need to be a little more organized so you don't just stand around discussing where you're going to eat or or what you're going to do for five hours of a trip I don't think I think five is the max I've ever traveled with. I I don't think I want to travel with more than five. We did a trip last summer with uh, Katie's whole family, so it was ten and uh, a baby, and it was. I mean, it's it's challenging at times, but I I still think. Well, I I like it because would, it requires more planning. <laughs> I think you would be like, this is my biggest nightmare because we I, have to plan out a lot. I would have to change my my mindset going into that trip because otherwise I would be antsy. Yeah. In fact, sure. I would probably have to plan a day or two where I would just depart and do random stuff. Yeah. So, let me ask you this, what what is your what's your game plan for finding random stuff? Do you just do you like to drive places? Do you like to ride the bus? Do you like to talk to people? Like what is what's kind of your go-to move for that? So, I think the best way to anytime well so first of all if you if you can arrange beforehand to know people in the area that's the best way to do it so some of the some of my experience with that my dad had a foreign exchange student from brazil and so uh she had, had invited him to go into brazil but he didn't have anyone to go with him and so that's when we agreed when we were in turkey to go out there and check that out so me my dad and then also my buddy gino ended up going out there but we <clears throat> spent two weeks there the first week we spent with her family over christmas 
And that was so cool to see a, a smaller Brazilian town, see how her family did did Christmas. And they're really excited to be able to show us uh, kind of their traditions and everything. One of, the, one of the cool stories was, so they didn't start their Christmas. I don't think, I think everyone showed up at 10, 10 p.m. on Christmas. And then the dinner was at maybe one or two. And then in that town, all the, the young people went to the club at 5 a.m. So I was at the club with her cousins at like 5 a.m. on Christmas. <laughs> but that's something I like you probably wouldn't find on your own. And <clears throat> another thing that kind of lucked into, so when I traveled to India, so I will admit here, I did not want to just randomly do India because I knew it could be a mess. And I also didn't want to go through what you enjoy, which is planning that internal travel. So there's this company that I looked on the internet. There's this company called India Someday. And so what they do is, in general, you buy your ticket to India and they, they live there and they will plan all of your internal travel. And you just give them kind of a concept and then and then they'll give you kind of a travel plan. So that's how I did it. And uh, what was even cooler was when I went to Mumbai, that's where the guy that started, a boss, he lives there. And so he ended up meeting up with me for lunch. And uh, we ate and he explained cricket to me. He explained all the rules. And I got to really talk to him about what it's really like to live in India. And then also he, he, uh, he put me in touch with his friend Karen when I was going down to this other beach town. So she was down there and she took me to this like, so this is in India on the beach. And it's the town's called Goa. And for some reason, it became like this international place where hippies go to live. And so every night at like 7 p.m., this group of like hippies from India and also from all over the world go down to this beach, this beach area and play bongo drums and all mouth harps and all these instruments. So like she just happened to take me down there and show me that. So uh, if you can somehow get in touch with someone that's in the local area, I think that's the best way to find those things. Another thing that I've I haven't actually used it, but I've thought of is have you ever seen couch surfing? Yeah, for sure. So that's where you could stay on someone's couch for free or even Airbnb. So my buddy, uh, Jan and Ken, they they lived in San Antonio. They did Airbnb. And so they would have guests come in from Australia and uh, overseas. And they would take them along. So we'd be going to these local events in San Antonio and they would be taking them along. But that's something you would have to look into Airbnb in the comments. And like you can kind of tell whether the the host is someone that's going to take you around to experience some of the local the local things going on. But I think my biggest tip is try to find get in touch with someone locally if you can beforehand. If not, I think you just have to talk to people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, man those those are really the experiences where, like you said, you you learn so much more. Like there's there's really. I don't want to say no value to guidebooks, but other than getting from point A to point B, you're really only learning Wikipedia level information right. <laughs> about where you're at. Right. I, so <laughs> my the best piece of information that I've ever got out of a guidebook. So this is on my, I did a kind of a no plan Eastern Europe uh, backpacking trip after I left Turkey. And so my planning involved me looking at a map and just kind of drawing a U starting with Czechoslovakia and then ending 
somewhere. No, I, yeah, I started Czechoslovakia and I wanted to end in Croatia. And I just kind of wanted to make that U shape. And so I was, me and my buddy were on the train in Bulgaria and we're going, no, in Romania and we we're going to the coast. I'm talking to this kid on the train. And I was, we were planning on going down the coast of Bulgaria after we went to the, uh, to this Romanian beach. And so I was asking him, hey, what's the best way to just take it? Like, do I take a train or a bus down the coastline? And he looked at me and he goes, there's no public transportation down that. It's only a road. And I'm like, oh, come on, man. There's got to be like, you mean there's no like local bus system or anything? He goes, no. He says, there's no way. You're going to have to go all the way back to Bucharest. And that's going to be like a day out of your way. And so he goes, "You, you could probably hitchhike. And so I went and I told my buddy, he's like, absolutely not. We are not hitchhiking. So we show up at the beach in Romania and I don't really have an explanation. And this is probably maybe by my design, but we didn't make one effort to figure out if there is a bus or a train from there for like the three days we were there. And so then the day we were leaving, I I told my buddy, hey, let's just walk to the train station. We'll just get a train. He is probably just didn't know what he's talking about. So I walked to the train station. I asked them for a train ticket to Bulgaria. And she goes, no, no train t- to Bulgaria. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, and I kind of started getting nervous. Like, well, there's still a bus station. I'm sure there's a bus there. So I went to the bus station and the guy's like, no, no train to Bulgaria. And so my me and my buddy are looking at each other. He's like, man, we're just going to have to take that train back to Bucharest. Like, we're just going to have to do it. And so then I said, hey, let's just let's just take the bus down to the last town because there's like a series of towns on this beach. Mm-hmm. And I said, let's just take a bus down there and just let's just see what it's let's just see what we can find. So we're on that bus and we're talking to this person next to us about our issue. And he goes, let me look at this guidebook. And so in the guidebook, it says that you can walk across the border. <laughs> so so I talked the to the guidebook that you had. No, we borrowed. No, I didn't have a guidebook. Come on. Oh, okay. I was doing a guidebook. <laughs> I was, I a guidebook. <laughs> no, we borrowed a guidebook. And the guidebook said it's like a five-mile walk across. And you couldn't see it. So I'm just like, hey, dude, let's try, let's just try this. So we grabbed some waters and we're walking on the road. And we come up to it. And and we were so lucky. So we it took us like 45 minutes. Everyone else was getting through faster than us. But we finally got through there. And I remember it was like, it was 1245 and there was a, a, like a little mini local shuttle bus that was a complete rickety piece of garbage. But it was the last shuttle bus of the day. It left at, at 1 p.m. and we caught it. So we caught this rickety shuttle bus to this other town and they caught this other local bus and we ended up making our way to Bulgaria. So thank you. Uh, I'm not sure which guidebook it was. Lonely Planet. <laughs> that's That's pretty awesome. So one one um, one mantra that we had in in Turkey was you can't put a price on fun, um, and I, I'm not, I'm not saying I live by that, but I do think there are times where you have to turn off the rational mind a bit and just really embrace the the situation, like like what you're talking about. You didn't have any cost, but you were just like, I'm doing this. We're we're going. We <laughs> it'll be interesting no matter how it turns out. Yeah. <clears throat> I th- I think so I would say that is true in terms of finding an experience. So I would well not I mean, I think 
spending some money for an interesting experience is worthwhile, but spending money for like a souvenir or like something like that, that's to me is a waste. Like the, Agreed. But yeah, like there's a lot of events where maybe it's a local event that costs some money and I say just spend the money and make it happen. Also, like in, oh God. also with my style, it is like it's can occasionally be costly where like that's all fun but then at some point you have to pay your way like pay for some kind of weird travel to get yourself out of a sticky situation sure yeah absolutely so one thing i i wanted to talk about and this is this is a detour from from travel stories um one of my favorite trips that you and i ever took was our our Adana adventure to what we titled the world's worst bar. I can't wait so, to hear, to rehash this story. So if you remember, we were just, we really had no plan. We were just like, all right, we're going to go to Adana, jump on the bus, see what kind of interesting things we can find. And so I think we were, we were actually trying to get to a different area of the city and we ended up like three miles further than we wanted to be. And so we finally hopped off the bus and we we're like, ah, we'll just walk back to the car. Is this, is this accurate so far? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we had anything specific. So we're walking back and we're like, oh, what do you want to do? I'm like, I'm a little hungry. I can go for a drink. And we like walk past this place and you you like look inside and, and there's like there's a tree growing out through the roof. God, I wish <laughs> I wish Yeah. I, yeah. I yep. wish it was still open. I would go hey, back. I, I, I so want to pull my picture like, out. It's great. <laughs> We look at each other and we're like, we have to go inside. Like, there, there's no way you can walk past the place with, and it's not a small a tree. Tr- I mean, it, it's yeah. Well, hold on. So the tree's in there, but it's also a shack. It's not. It <laughs> it looks like a almost like a barn. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's yeah. And it, and we go down a few steps, and it has a legit dirt floor. <clears throat> so we get inside, and it's basically. I would compare it to, I would say it was the cheers of, I think you're right. Of Turkey. Like at it least was like that super regulars, old guys. And, and they looked at us like, I have no idea what you guys are thinking or what you're doing in here, but we, we somewhat respect this choice. Like I didn't, I didn't necessarily feel like anybody had any sort of opinion about it. They were just I, like, Hmm, this is new. I, yeah, they, they were unwelcoming. I wouldn't consider them welcoming. But they weren't unwelcoming. It wasn't like you guys shouldn't be in here. It was probably like they were perplexed. <laughs> that, no, you're right. You're right. Because we stood for like ten minutes on the dirt floor. Like, uh, can we get a beer? And the guys were just like walking around. And so we finally order two F's, Sit down at the bar, and they bring over this bowl. I don't. Was it was it supposed to be beer nuts? I I don't know. It was like this mixture of. It was almost like bird seed and garbage <laughs> do you remember that i don't think i remember that i gotta pull the picture up it's like yeah they bring over this bowl it's like it's got like pumpkin seeds like it looks like bird <laughs> seed and like some i think we tried a few and they were like corn nuts right but we were like Sh- should we be eating this like I- and it was definitely like reused from some other oh, customer yeah, that they just threw into true. a different bowl <clears throat> but oh man it was it was the worst place I could possibly imagine, but there was, I don't know. I just had this respect and awe for like, it took dive bar to an epic level. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I have, I've, I've been in a few dive bars, but that was like, 
<laughs> there's got to be a different name for it, is there? I don't I don't think there is. I but we affectionately called it the worst bar in Adana. <laughs> oh yeah, and every time we drove by, we were like, "You want to stop at the the world's <laughs> yeah. worst bar?" Dude, hey, was oh, that man. was that when on the way back we found that the street vendor with the uh that was selling the stuffed sheep penises? <laughs> no. No, that was that was one of the trips to the meat market. Okay. But that was that was also a disturbing trip as well. <laughs> yeah, we just remember we were walking from the parking garage we always parked up and we rounded that corner and all of a sudden No, you're right. No, you're totally right. Cause it was so much more random. It wasn't even near the meat market. We just rounded that corner. Yeah, exactly right. It was right around the corner from the world's worst bar. Yeah, no, you're 100% I know. right. And we're like, dude, what is that? And you're like, I think it's what you think it is. Because it I'm looked like, like a bucket no. full of sheep's penises. <laughs> Not a bucket. It wasn't a bucket. It was like it was a-, a garbage can. <laughs> it was a full garbage, like 40 gallon oh, yeah. garbage can full of like, it It had to be sheep or goat penis, like stuffed with rice. <laughs> Like, I, I don't know what, like, that can't be a delicacy. I, I pray that that's not a delicacy. I, I, hey, I think Noah must have turned us down for that trip. Because I think, like, yes, as payback, did. we tried to offer it to him. <laughs> You're, yeah, we found the vendor again. Yeah. And we're like, you got to try one of these. They're awesome. <laughs> He's like, no, there's no way. No way. Oh, man. World's worst bar. If somebody can top that, uh, I would love it in the comment section. It definitely wasn't the only dirt floor bar in Turkey, but it was it was by far the worst. <laughs> Easily the worst. I feel like it had... A, it couldn't have had... It had a tin roof for sure, but I almost feel like it was like no, a fast... Def- I don't know if it did. I mean, it obviously didn't have a, a great roof with the tree growing straight through it. <laughs> So I, so I want to get to some up. of your stories because because you have you have some some awesome stories. Um, first of all, I want to ask where was um, the most surprising place that you've traveled? Oh, most surprising. So it, this is somewhat recent, but probably the biggest shock to my system was going to Mumbai in India. That place is because I, I I'm used so I've been in Turkey. Like I would say Turkey was initially. But then that kind of kind of reframed my expectations. And so after Turkey, anywhere in Europe was kind of like, well, this is in between Turkey and the U.S., so less less surprising. <clears throat> but, uh, okay, so Mumbai. First of all, the first thing that shocked me was you walk out and the cars are tiny. Like there, there's no regular-sized car because the traffic is ridiculous. And the traffic and humans and bikes... They're all mixed in together. So it's not like there's bikes on the side. Like it's just a complete mix of everything. And the traffic's so slow that you're not going to get hit. But it by the time I left, which is only two or three days, it looked weird anytime you saw a normal car. Like it, it was crazy. So it was packed full of people, loud. There's honk. Everyone's honking their horns all the time. Like it, it smells like it smells pretty bad. And it's, but the, like the people are really friendly and it was really interesting to kind of get a tour and understand the history. Probably the craziest thing that I saw there. So 
the uh, you probably heard about the train system there. So I think they move about oh, yeah. three million people a day. And so I was on this tour and they were talking about kind of the train system and hey, they move three million people a day. I think they said three people a day die, like just and that the train system has to keep moving because they're moving so there's no time to delay. And so they had talked about how packed the trains were and I heard about it. And so we were riding the train from the main station back out um, toward away from the city. And so when we got on the train, there was no one on there. And so I'm sitting there and I'm kind of daydreaming. And I asked the uh, I asked the the guy, I was like, "Hey, can I go stand by the door? Because the doors are op- like open, like train doors, and they'd leave them open. So can I go stand by here and kind of just check it out?" And he said, "Yeah, sure, go ahead." <clears throat> so I'm standing there, and again, I'm just daydream, kind of holding on. And we pull up to the next station, and there are people just fighting and muscling and shoving, and people. As soon as the, before the train even stopped, people were grabbing the side rails and just throwing themselves into the car. And so it went from completely empty to like more packed than any metro or subway I've ever been on in about 30 seconds. And the train stops for a set period of time. And there's no, it's not like the door, hey, door's closing, door's closing. They just start going. <laughs> they just start going. And there's people that are running and jumping as it's moving and landing like on the edge of the edge of the doorway and then holding on to the hand like the handrails and like they're <laughs> leaning outside of the car and they're just holding on like that it's it was insane that's crazy that that doesn't sound <laughs> it's definitely not relaxing what, what was your thing no okay you can't promise that it would be a relaxing <laughs> right trip, but so, then you'd be comfortable <laughs> so the, yeah exactly so well, okay, so then th- talking about not being relaxed. Okay, so on my Turkey trip, uh, or on the India trip, the other piece that was ki- not an eye-opener, but I, it was kind of a uh, move that I wasn't sure how it was going to turn out. So uh, at India someday, they said, hey, the best way to travel are these overnight buses. And so you never know what you're going to get. Like in Turkey, the, the overnight bus was pretty nice, but I wasn't exactly sure what to expect. And so... I was taking the overnight bus from Mumbai to this area called Hampi, which is in the, kind of in the cent, like southern south of Mumbai. And I was going to take another overnight bus to go, which is on the beach. So the first one, first of all, it's not downtown like a bus station. It's if I showed you a picture, it's just it looks like a like your typical na- like just neighborhood. It doesn't look like a bus station at all. It just looks like a business. And he just said, I said it will how do I know which bus is my bus? And he said, just go stand out there. And I'm like, what? Like how, but seriously, how, <laughs> how do you know? And so I thought this one was mine and all I had was my ticket. I didn't show him my ticket and I tried to get on and he, the guy waved me off. So he knew that wasn't my bus, even though he hadn't seen my ticket. And then when, when they pulled up the, like the guy before they stopped was waving me on so I'm not sure if I'm like the only white person to rode on that bus like ever or what, but like they definitely knew who I was when they stopped by to pick me up. But like it was like 10 minutes late and I wasn't sure if I was going to be in seats because it was a, like a 14 hour bus ride and I thought I was going to be in seats, but it ended up being these little compartments that were about six and a half feet long and then you had a they were like stacked on top of each other so they're six and a half feet long and then maybe like three or four feet high that you just kind of laid in and so when i saw the compartment 
I was thinking, man, this is incredible. I thought I was going to be stuck in this seat. Now I can lay out. This is wonderful. But then I looked around, and there was no bathroom on the bus. So I was a little nervous because I had been eating anything and everything that I could find on in terms of street food, like street meat and everything. So like if I ended up getting sick, it was going to be a fiasco because there's no bathroom. Like there's no bathroom to even to even <laughs> use. And the other thing was I couldn't find anything to eat in that neighborhood. And so I was starving. And I'm like, I, okay, so I'm starving, but I'm kind of nervous about the bathroom situation. But they <laughs> they made a stop and this kid gets on and he's selling these little like little wraps, like these little meat wraps. And I'm thinking, this is not a smart idea. Like, <laughs> they, like I'm basically, this is street meat this kid's just selling me. And furthermore... You're playing a little Russian yeah, roulette there. I, I was. I was starving. So I ate that. And then we went to a truck stop. I ate there. Luckily, I was not... Some other dude ended up like having to make the, bu- the bus stop and puking off the side of the road. But for... <laughs> <laughs> but for me it was money like i i made it all the way through and i eat and the next so i made it that time the next time they stopped the next overnight trip they stop at this truck stop and i go back there and they're cooking the stuff like in this it's, it's like a fire oven they're cooking it back there and it's definitely not clean like they're just pulling all these spices out of all like all this area it's just kind of like a, a messy spice like pile of stuff Mm. and so well but i you know i'm always gonna try it so i went back there plus i had like learned some of the language so i was dropping some of my food lingo and they went let me go back behind the counter and i was taking some pictures they showed me they were making bread which they were just it looked like a pot and they would stuff like push the bread against the inside of the pot and that's how they're cooking it and then (laughs) Like somehow I knew how to tell them to make it spicy and then they just started laughing to themselves. And so I like it looked, I don't know, it didn't look the greatest, but like when I pulled it out, it was like the best meal I had in India, but it was also by far the spiciest. And so I ate it and then I immediately regretted it because that bus did also not have a bathroom. <laughs> Dude, but I, I made yep. it both trips. Wow. It was a Ameri- Like now I can eat. I, well, I think turkey probably trained my stomach, but. I'm confident now that I can eat any like I pretty much eat anywhere. I'm not my stomach is a stomach of steel. <laughs> That's good. That's good. You're ready for any fourteen hour overnight bus trips. Yeah. So I did want to throw in a few of the nerdy tidbits. Um one thing that I don't necessarily know if a lot of people do is think about you know how much can they actually afford like most people set us set aside some sort of a budget. And I think they have like, okay, we're going to go to London and we're going to do this. But I don't think anybody necessarily understands like how inexpensive it can be to have, you know, bucket list type epic adventures. Um, and so this week I was just messing around. I spent probably, you know, 30, 45 minutes trying to figure out an itinerary of a, an around the world trip. And I ended up finding a ticket and it was, I think it was 28 days for the whole ticket and it was flying New York, London, Istanbul, Dubai, Mumbai, Tokyo, LA, and New York for $1,833. And I was like, that would be a ridiculously awesome trip. The terms, like what is it? What do you mean? Like, are they on certain days or how, how does that work? Yeah. So, I mean, that's the really nerdy side where 
you have to break down each leg and figure out, you know, A, what's, what places would you want to go from your original destination? And so you, you start tracking how expensive those different flights are. And then from there you build the next leg. So <laughs> once you figure out like you can connect three legs and these are the cheapest flights, then you can run a multi-leg search on like kayak and see if you can get a cheaper ticket for linking those flights together. Okay. Um, that one, that one in particular, the the cheaper flight was it was Mumbai to Tokyo to LA. Um, that was like a five hundred dollar ticket, and so that that saved tons of money to do that as a multi leg. But each every other one was just a one way ticket. Oh, okay. So it's 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 really figuring out like what are your bucket list sites, um, being super flexible with dates, and you know saying like oh I could be here five days, I could be here three days. Um, okay. And I actually thinking through things like flying Icelandic air and having like a 36 or 48 hour layover there, um, because obviously you get to see Iceland and it's, it's generally maybe $40 more to do that. So, I mean, it's just learning those routes and, you know, like now I've spent three minutes talking about how nerdy it is to, to figure out where you can go. But I think the main point is just try not to limit yourself, um, just in terms of the scope of the trip that you want to bite off because you can really hit so many places. And, and once that transportation cost is locked in, I mean, the difference across the world is, is kind of surprising. Like staying in London is more expensive than a lot of places. Staying in Moscow is more expensive. But, but other than that, the, a lot of countries have a lot of parity. And, and some places, you know, like the trip we did to Italy a, fl- a few years ago was, was cheaper than, than in the U.S. Like renting a car was cheaper there and staying in hotels was cheaper and food was cheaper there. So I, I the, think it's... So the, this is an extreme, but there was a guy in that town, Hampi, in India, that had got it down to where he was living on $5 a day. He was mad because he was, he's like, I can stay here for so much, so long now. He was like $3 for his overnight accommodations and $2 for food. And it wasn't That's bad crazy. accommodations. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'm talking about. I, I have a travel rule. I don't stay anywhere that's worse than my house. Oh, <laughs> and I know yours. You no, don't I live don't, by that. That's at all. not even. Yeah, that's not. No, it's, but yeah, that's that's my rule for hotels. Is that it has to be at least as nice as my bedroom. Dude, listen to this story. So this is actually related to that to the uh, Bulg- previous Bulgaria story. So me and my buddy, when we got to Romania, maybe the reason that we didn't check out the bus situation was because our hotel room was infested with mosquitoes and there was no air conditioning. So (laughs) in the middle of the night, I wake up and my buddy has a headlamp on and he's staying up on his bed and he goes, (laughs) Axel, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? And there's blood on the wall. And I'm like, dude, what oh, no. and it was mosquitoes. Oh, the mosquitoes, that he was just smashed. The mosquitoes have been eating a lot. They're just like smashed all over the wall. And he's just staying up there yelling that they're everywhere. So, so, he, so then he, the next morning, he's like, this is terrible. He goes, I don't care how much it costs. But in Bulgaria, we're staying somewhere with air conditioning, and it's going to be nice. So, like, I spent some time finding this hostel that, like, has air conditioning and all that stuff. So, I had I had booked that, I had booked the, whatever, the night at that hostel. 
And then we're on, so back to my hitchhiking story. So we're on that shuttle, like that local shuttle bus, and we end up on that bus with this German couple. And so they're telling us about this really cool hostel that's, they're like, yeah, everyone says it's really fun. It's got great reviews. You guys should check it out. And so we're sitting there like we had been having a good time with these guys. And so we said, hey, you know what? Let's check this out. So when we got to the bu- to the uh, bus stop, that hostel had someone that was like mo- driving around picking people up. So we were going to have to take a taxi. But this one it was there to pick them up. And so we said, hey, can we... Like, can we hop in? Can we stay? And so I don't think we were very clear that we didn't have reservations already. So he picks everyone else up. We go up there and they go, we said, hey, do you guys have any reservations? And uh, they said, no, we don't. We don't have any, like we're booked. And it was kind of out of town. And so then she goes, well, where are you guys staying? And we told her where we were staying. She goes, oh, that place just had like bed bugs or something like that. And so now it's like, like, well, there's no good place for us to stay. So... So they go, hey, uh, we don't have any beds or rooms, but we have some tents that you can sleep in out back. And so, <laughs> so we go from my buddy saying, I don't care where we stay. I just want to stay in the place of the air conditioning to a tent out back behind this place. <laughs> and, and I think the first night we had... Like we had shared an air mattress. Like we didn't have, we didn't have sleeping bags. We didn't have blankets. Like we weren't prepared for any sort of camping. We were just sleeping in this tent on top of this air mattress that somehow I had like keys or something in my pocket and I popped it on the first night. And so they go, well, we're going to, we're going to get you a, into a room the next day. <laughs> oh my God. And so we go up there and as we're walking up, people are like, well, the shower doesn't work. You, you can't shower here. So that didn't work. And so we go to the front and we're like, hey, so you guys said that you'd have us a room. And they got, hey, you know, we thought we'd have one, but it looks like we, like we don't have one. You guys have to stay in the back. So we ended up staying in that thing three nights in a tent out back. The second night, one of their sewage line broke. And like, oh, no. <laughs> there's like sewage in the backyard running next to the tent. But, but my point, okay, so the best part though, that was the, our favorite place that we stayed the entire trip because ev- like for whatever reason, the people that stayed in that hostel were the funnest people we met anywhere. So on the set, the first night we just hung out there one and it was fun. The second night it was a girl's birthday and like, not it wasn't a big group of there was 28 people that all went out together from that hostel just randomly like it wasn't planned everyone was just such good friends or like had such fun together that there's a like they ordered seven taxis to come pick us up and take us downtown uh to go ride the taxis and then on the last day so every sunday they cook chicken and so uh they're like, yeah, we're having this chicken, this chicken roast or whatever. So we're looking over there and like this English, this guy from England was the dude that was supposed to be cooking and he's like not doing anything. And they were supposed to eat in like 10 minutes. And we're like, hey man, like chicken kind of takes a while to cook. Like, do you know what you're doing? <laughs> and he goes, no man, the, the regular chef isn't here. And I don't know even, like, I don't know how to barbecue. Why don't you Yanks show us what how it's supposed to be done? So like. Me and my buddy like start this barbecue and grill up like ten pounds of chicken, <laughs> so everyone at this hostel can eat dinner, and like everyone loved us. It was like it was awesome. 
That's pretty sweet. But yeah, man, he <laughs> kind of a disaster. It was a but. disaster, but <laughs> it was a co- it was a complete disaster. But at the same time, like one of my favorite stories is like the people there were so fun. Uh, maybe a great experience, a disaster in accommodation was probably probably yeah. a better way to put it. Well, and the, so the other the other thing that I did that at that time was uh, I bungee jumped off the bridge there. So like as I'm going there, I like I've never bungee jumped, and so okay. So first of all, we get to the hostel and these English dudes are there and they're like, "Yeah, we went and bungee jumped off that like it was basically a makeshift setup off the side of this bridge." And they said, the guy, they go, hey, how many kilos do you weigh? And the guy goes, the kid goes, like, 76. And the guy goes, ah, 72. And so the kid jumps, and he, like, dips his head in the water. So it's not like it smacks the water, but, like, he dipped his head. And the guy pulls him up, and he looks at him, and he goes, ah, 76. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm definitely doing this. I want to try it. So... For, my buddy was sick and so I ended up going there by myself and like I was terrified because like they have like this old rickety engine like just it wasn't even it must have been clamped to the side of this bridge and then the bungee was actually like connected to the to the guardrail and just like laid over the top and so I walk up and they go $40 so I gave him the $40 and uh he hands me this piece of paper and it's in like I think it's Cyrillic or some other alphabet and he goes, name, signature, and that's it. It's like, I don't even know what it says. I'm just putting my name down and signing. And so then I'm standing up there and like, I don't know if I was more terrified of just bungee jumping in general or the fact that like, I seriously thought I was going to die if like, and also I didn't know that wrapping around your ankles, it's own, it's just Velcro. Like it's not, there's nothing more than that. And so I just have this heavy Velcro off this just like ghetto contraption and i'm standing up there and boom i jump and like when i came back up i had i was so excited it may have been one of the happiest moments of my life when i felt like the the rebound of me actually not diving into the water (laughs) yeah that that's like a combined rush yeah (laughs) inherent danger of bungee jumping and not worried about the overall safety so two, a couple of things. One thing that you wrote that I thought was was awesome was you wrote journal your experiences oh my gosh, or at least yeah. take notes. Like that's, I think that's an awesome idea because it's it's hard to look back and remember exactly what you were doing those days. Um, even even if you're doing it like on the plane home, you're gonna forget a lot of things. So if you if you just keep up with that every day, you know you keep a really really nice nice memory. Yeah, and you don't even have to to write like it doesn't have to be a long form narrative but even if you can just write short little notes to just jog your your memory of just different experiences that you have it's it's so fun to go back because we've had some uh, some notes on some of the trips we've taken it's just fun to go back because you forget a lot of the things that happened so it doesn't forget so much yeah yeah. it doesn't have to be a, a profound journal that you're making all these like great philosophical thoughts it just really needs to be some notes so that you can uh, like re um, remember your times and kind of revisit them later in life. Yeah, for sure. One other thing I was going to say is it's easy to fall into like, I need to try something new. I need to go to a different place. 
But I think there is value sometimes in almost like becoming a travel regular where you find a place to hang out, like a bar or a restaurant, yeah. and you, you keep going there. Because we, we had one trip to um, Fethiye, um, south of Bodrum, and we, we were like, the first night we were there, we were searching around for a restaurant and we found this one place that had, we thought it was like the one-time deal where it was like half price. And it turned out it was half price the entire time we were there and probably the entire time the restaurant was open. So we go there the first night and food is good. The server is awesome. He's super friendly. We have a great time. We come back the next night. Same thing. It's awesome. Um, we come back a third, I think we came back at least three times to the same place and hung out with the same, same servant. It was just so much fun to talk to him and be like, so what should we do tomorrow? He's like, Oh, you should go charter a boat. So I ended up chartering this boat for, for my birthday while we were there, which was pretty sweet. It was really awesome. Um, but then the last night we were there, we're like, this is pretty cool. And it was a restaurant that was right around a pool, um, and we were like, wouldn't that be hilarious if we, after we were done with dinner, we got a picture of all of us jumping into the pool at the same time. So we, we have this plan. Everyone has their swimsuits underneath and oh, okay. it's ridiculous looking back on it. So we're like, we're ready to go. Um, and like we, we pay the bill and we get up and the guy's like, what are you guys doing? We're like, I don't know. It's good. It's good. It's good. And so we line up and there's the two guys are on the two sides of the pool and then Katie and another friend are, are at the end of the pool. And so we're, we're all timing this, this jump together. And there's yeah. like tables within the splash zone. Oh, wow. Okay. And so, yeah. Wait, so, so are I mean, you in like tables swimsuits? right are up you, to the edge of the pool. Are you intending to swim, to like drop in your no, swimsuit? Or you're no, in a- no intention to swim. Oh. So no, 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 no. We have like a shirt and shorts over. Like you couldn't tell what we were going to yeah. do. So we get up to the edge of the pool, like stripped down fast. My sister's taking the picture. And we time it perfect where all of us are jumping in. Like the two guys are almost like crossing over in the middle of the pool and the girls are jumping up at the back. And you can see like the server has like this, you can tell just from the flash that he's like, oh my God, I'm going to get in so much trouble. And then this whole family of Turks. Hold on. So he's in the picture as well? Yeah, he's oh, in the background great. of the picture, oh like gosh. looking like he's ready to stop it. And then there's like this whole family of Turks that all have this like a gas look yeah. on their face, like they're all turned looking at it. And so we get in. Obviously, it's Turkey, so nobody cares. Right, right. But it was just, it was so much fun to like go to the same place, talk to this guy, get so much local knowledge, and then <laughs> at the end, like feel comfortable enough to like, oh, we're just gonna jump in the pool together and and run away yeah, at the end. That's awesome. I'll see if I can find the picture. It's yeah, it's you definitely awesome. maybe, maybe I'll tweet <laughs> I'll tweet that one out. Hey, so I have one other thing that I I was thinking about. One thing that I've found is if you just attempt to speak the language, it means so much to people, and it doesn't matter if you're not good. And even even I think not just trying to speak, but if you ask someone to help you learn the language, that means a lot to them as well, and like that will get you so far. Uh, just it it makes it. It makes them feel like you're trying to become part of their culture, that you respect their culture, and that you're trying to, um, like, you, you care about their culture and you're interested about it. Yeah, and one thing that I've found is if you can, if you can be somewhat, if you can know some self-deprecating statements in their oh, language, great. it it serves a huge purpose. I know, I know when when I was in Portugal, I did the same thing because I I couldn't speak very much Portuguese, and in Turkey, I would do it 
all the time and just said, telling people like I am terrible or I know nothing of this language. Right. Can you help me? Like they like to start laughing and yeah. it, it really it, it breaks the ice too. Yeah. That was there already. Yeah, exactly. So and I you don't have to be become excellent at it. I mean, I'm sure if you were excellent at the language, that would help you even more. But uh, I think just just knowing some phrases and just being I mean I mean even just being able to greet people, I think being able to greet people and order things I think will uh, go a long way uh, towards helping you kind of not fully integrate into the culture, but people will be become more welcoming. Yeah, at least be willing to have a conversation with you and and talk to you and and try to communicate whatever you two can communicate yeah. in your rudimentary shared language. But people like to people like to teach you their language, and it's fun for them, and like they get experience talking to someone from a different uh, different country. So I think definitely that's something that. Sometimes I forget about that and then I need to go back and remind myself that's important. Yeah, and I think to your point, like that there's some value in the slow transportation. You know, if you're on a bus or you're on a train, um, you get so much more contact and, and lengthy contact where, you know, you could sit down and have a two hour conversation and somebody could actually teach you a, a decent chunk of, of the language or at least what you needed to know. So I think I think really figuring out, you know, like what, what your travel style is and what, cause it, it varies so much by country. Right. You know, like there's some countries where, like you said, it makes total sense to go by train. Bus is questionable, but yeah, I think just figuring out like how, bus is how not you questionable. can create, you said it's not no, questionable. It's, not it's questionable. always a good yeah, choice. It's, it's, yeah, it's always a good choice. So here's my, okay. You like you're traveling to this country. You should want to, I think that you should want to experience kind of what all it has to offer and riding on some cramped, hot, humid, possibly smelly bus. That's part of the, part of the experience. I think that's important. Yeah, I can, I can buy into that. I, I, like I said, I, I've, I've become a bit more of a comfort traveler, but, but I, I definitely understand like you feel much different about the people when you, you experience life through, through their lens for sure well and i've talked i have other friends that said hey you think i don't know why you need this like hard traveling experience to be able to enjoy it that doesn't do anything for me so i guess it depends on on your perspective but i don't know i like i like to experience as much as i can in fact well how how would they know (laughs) well (laughs) yeah so one other thing that's related to this is I think it's kind of, I think one strategy is to go to like the thir- third most popular place or at least it, for one of your stops, go to a place that's out of the way because, and you know this, in the big time tourist areas, it a lot of people are there just to make money and so you're not really experiencing the true, the true culture of that country or that area. And so, I mean, you can even go to a, a different area of the city, but I think getting away from all the tourists and kind of, it, if you go someplace and they're surprised you're there, then to me, you're probably in a good place. At least <laughs> people are going to get find themselves in the terrible locations and blame you. But I say go for that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no need for a disclaimer. You, you didn't give any legal advice. Yeah. I would say to piggyback on that, um, I would also say don't let anybody else uh, dictate your itinerary. I think so many times you look at like what does TripAdvisor say are the top 25 sites to see? Like 
don't don't buy into that go go to the places that you think you're going to find interesting because you know i've i've been to some of the quote art museums that you should go to uh uffizi gallery in 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 florence and it's boring it's so boring it's just like the exact same painting of the virgin mary or jesus and Sorry if there's there's any art history buffs out there that that are really into 14th and 15th century Italian painters, but it is very boring subject matter. And we spent like three hours. We paid for a tour of it specifically, and I was like, "This is awful. This is awful. This is awful. It's so bad." One of my favorite. And so it's just like, oh god. I was gonna say one of my favorite quotes is this girl told me, "Yeah, we, like we saw some of the sites, but you can only look at so many old stones before they start looking the same to it." Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean that was exactly what it was. Just a bunch Creepy of old baby stones. Jesus can only yeah. be seen can only be seen so many times. <laughs> so, um, do you have anything? I feel like we covered a lot. I want to save some of these stories for for future podcasts because they they sound they sound awesome. Hey, hey so I um, did you have any other tips? Yeah, I have two. Uh, I think I have like two final tips. Uh, okay, so another cool place to visit are the markets. There's nothing better than going into like the fruit and vegetable market, seeing new fruits and vegetables. There's always interesting things to see. It's kind of a uh, lots of colors and things. So that's definitely something that I always try to check out. Another one are the bike tours. So you'll find different companies doing bike tours, and that's a good way to you'll meet some interesting people that are biking around. And usually you'll get you can quickly see all the main sites. In just like a morning and so that's something else another thing if you don't want to do a bike tour is go for a run i think that's a great way to when you first get into a city to just go for a run you kind of get a feel for what the streets are like and uh kind of the area so those are kind of some tips on what to do when you go to a place and then uh my last one but this is just kind of probably along the same lines as previous is i think you're should definitely underpack and then buy what you need and that's going to depend for like what your needs are, but it's you're all <laughs> you can buy most of the stuff that you need over there. It's not that crazy, and if you can't buy it, then there's probably like a million people getting by without it. So tough it out. Sweet, yeah, I think those are man. I really appreciated your your stories um, and the tips have been been awesome. Um, any any final thoughts? I know we're actually off next week, uh, and then we'll be back on the 30th for a, a year in review 2015. We've only been doing this about a month, but we wanted to, to take a few ideas, talking about our year, talking about the year in general, and, and what are some of the takeaways uh, going into 2016. Any final thoughts, Axe? Uh, no final thoughts uh, on travel. Do you want to talk about a couple of miscellaneous items? I did want to ask you about your uh 3d brain scan that you sent me an email on yeah for sure we, we can skip the <laughs> we're starting to track some of these some of these things that we have ongoing uh axel and i keep track of each other's meditation um <laughs> i still want to keep pushing axel to do a back oh it's on uh, we'll need it in, in the new we'll, year it's happening okay good so we'll keep tracking on that um and we'll keep following up with uh some information and stories and, and see how we're doing. The 3d brain scan was really interesting. So it was a, it was an MRI that I did. Um, it was a VA study for veterans with, um, combat experience. And so I was in, I was in one of the, uh, sample groups for people with combat experience that were not 
traumatic, I guess you'd say. So it was, it was kind of the baseline group. Um, and so we went in, or I went in <laughs> to the brain scan. It was about 45 minutes and they would just play. There would be one shape with a color and just a regular like clip art image. And then they play uh, a different shape and a color. And then they'd have like a combat related image. And they were just trying to figure out, I'd have to press a button between each image. So they were, they were trying to see what parts of the brain were activated at, at different times. Um, so the study itself was pretty basic and I'll, I'll be curious to know the outcome, but what was, what was awesome for me was they actually gave me a full 3d scan of my brain. Oh, it's 3d. So okay. Now, now, I'm trying, now I understand yeah. why it takes special yeah. software to view it. Yeah. So yeah, so you can just, you can dive in through different levels. You can, you can look at all the different planes. Uh, I'm trying to figure out if I can get a 3d model of it, uh, printed, because I think that would be that'd be pretty sweet oh, to have. Be, a model oh, that would be brand. that would be great, huh? Yeah. So I was I was like the study was was pretty interesting. Um, I've done a few of those studies in the past, and they they haven't always been as fun. Um, but yeah, and I was like, and I get a three D brain scan. That's that's so. So awesome. have you downloaded the? Have you actually seen this scan? The scan? What's this? Like, have you? Got, oh yeah. What's it look like on your computer? Like, can you rotate I mean, it around? Oh, yeah. You can look at every single oh, wow. centimeter. Like, you can just keep zooming and zooming and zooming and zooming. Is which it, kind of freaks me out because I'm like, I need, I need to find a neurosurgeon now that can tell me if this is all normal. Is it X? Because it wasn't yeah. like they analyzed my brain for me. Is it, was it on the, does it, like, can you cross-section it or is it only on the outside? No, I cross-sections. Holy crap. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a, it's a full full 3D scan. <laughs> you, yeah. I, I'm going to have to download it. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. But yeah, so that was a, that was a, a fun thing that, that I got to do this week and a really pretty sweet takeaway. And yeah. <laughs> the, gift ba- the gift bag, the swag afterwards was my 3D brain scan. Nice. Hey, I got one more thing and then I think we can wrap up. So the Republican uh, presidential debate was last night. I don't want to get into it on the podcast tonight, but if you guys are interested in seeing some of our thoughts, uh, some of Trevor's thoughts from last night, you can uh, find them on Twitter. We were tweet, uh, we live tweeted the, um, we live tweeted last night, and there's a good conversation between uh, us and Trevor. So if you want to check that out, kind of get into the presidential discussion, that's out there on Twitter. Yeah, it was definitely it was definitely an interesting debate. Um, <laughs> like Axel said, I don't really want to get into it too much, um, but yeah, I, th- I thought there were some some key takeaways, some uh, good points that Trevor made for sure, um, and things that people might have might have missed. So yeah, definitely definitely check us out at Noise Canceling Pod on Twitter. So Dude, isn't it noise? Thanks for listening. Oh, so I think, oh, go ahead. I think it's Noise Cancel Pod. Isn't it? Okay, let me pull it up. Let me pull it up. <laughs> we got to make sure that we got to make sure this information is correct. We're we don't want to send you to somebody else's Twitter account. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm sure it's there. noise cancel pod. Noise cancel pod at noise cancel pod. Maybe that's why you guys weren't tweeting at me last week. <laughs> Had to be it. So anyway, at noise cancel pod, check it out. Lots of good discussion. Frank said he's getting yeah, he's getting into Twitter, so 
<laughs> no, what I said was last night live tweeting was the only enjoyable experience I've had on Twitter. <laughs> that was my exact <laughs> words. Okay, okay. <laughs> Sweet. So we'll wrap it up. This is episode four. Like I said before, if you guys have any comments, any tweets, send us our way. We're this is an experience for us, just like an, it's an experience for you, and and we would love to have any positive, negative, any kind of feedback that w- that would really be be excellent. So I'm Frank Boyce, and this is Axel Clark. Uh, search out adventure and find a great story. <laughs>